Well, good morning. It's uh, week three of our series, um, All In, and uh, I would tell you from what I'm hearing, God is working. He is uh, stretching our faith. I heard a story this week about one of our college-age students that has decided that they want to uh, give towards All In the same amount that they would have used to pay for a MacBook Pro, and so they're making that kind of sacrifice to say, I'm all in here at Crosspoint. And uh, it's good to hear those kinds of stories and to know how God is working and uh, stretching our faith. As you uh, came in this morning, you should have received one of these. It's a uh, devotional guide for the next 14 days. And uh, I want to encourage you to take this home with you. And starting tomorrow, uh, to spend a few minutes every day, there is a scripture at the top of the page. It will start on day one. And to read that scripture and then to read the short article that is there. And I think God will use uh, these devotional thoughts over the next couple of weeks to continue uh, to stretch our faith and to prepare us for what he wants to do in each of our lives. And uh, you may, like me, already be uh, following our SOAP guide. And so here's my encouragement to you. I'm going to try to do both over these next 14 days. But if you feel like, well, I just don't have that much time, well, I have to pick one or the other, I'd ask you to pick this devotional guide, this all-in devotional guide, and follow it for the next 14 days and then uh, jump back in uh, to soaping with the rest of us as we progress through that. So I'm going to encourage you in that. I heard about a father that uh, was struggling with his uh, son. His son was having some real discipline problems, real behavioral type things, and the dad tried everything he could think of to try to straighten the boy out, every form of discipline that he could think of, but nothing seemed to work. And this guy was a pilot. He decided, I'm going to take my son up in the airplane and have a conversation and just see if in the midst of this conversation I can correct him. Well, amazingly, the boy's behavior drastically changed. It was so much better after the flight. And so every once in a while, you know, bad behavior would spring up and they'd go for a little flight together, have a conversation, and things always were better. Well, he was telling one of his friends about this. And uh, he was also a dad, and he said, you know what, the next time that happens, I'd love to go with you because I'd love to hear that conversation. I want to see what you do. Maybe maybe I could learn something. And I want to show you today a picture that that guy took on that flight. (laughs) I don't think that's true, really, you know. Listen, fear... I suppose it can do some good at times, but it can also be paralyzing, can't it? And today I want to talk about confronting our anxieties, our fears, and how they can impact our lives. What's your greatest fear? I found a survey this week of the top seven things that the average person is afraid of. of. Uh, Number seven on that list is loneliness. Maybe that's your fear. Number two, or number six, is the the sickness and death. Uh, Number five is deep water. Number four, insects and bugs. Anybody relate to that? Uh, Number three, financial problems. Number two is heights. I don't understand the last one, speaking in front of a group of people. I think that's fun, but uh, uh, for me, it's number two and number five. You know, those are my fears. What what are your fears? What What are your greatest fears? You know, fear could keep us from enjoying or even participating in the all-in journey that we are a part of and the preparation that we're making to move to a new campus. Because fear has a way of, again, paralyzing us. There's a great story in the Old Testament that talks about the battle between faith and fear because fear is the arch enemy of faith. And I want to explore that story today because I think it clearly demonstrates that it's all about our perspective. Whether we choose in life to see through eyes of fear or we choose to see through 
through eyes of faith. So I want to explore that story today. It's found in Numbers uh, chapter 13. So I hope you brought, as always, your uh, Bible or your smartphone or iPad. Would you find your way to uh, Numbers chapter 13, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And if you go to Deuteronomy, you've, you've gone too far. Let me kind of set the historical background for this story as you're finding your way to Numbers 13. The story involves the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And as you may know historically, there was a time when they had been held in bondage. They were captive in Egypt for a long period of time until God sends these 12 incredible plagues on the land of Egypt so that he can humble Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh finally sets them free. They make their way out of Egypt and God leads them across the Red Sea. He dramatically parts the waters there and they cross over on dry land. God leads them at day by a big cloud and at night by a a pillar of fire or a great fireball in the sky. And God does some incredible things as He leads them on this journey. Finally, they come to the promised land, the land that God has promised them that they will dwell in. And they are right on the verge of moving in. And so they send 12 spies to go check it out. And that's where we pick up our story today. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. They sent the 12 spies into the land. And here's what happens. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like. And whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land. Or I'm sorry, I need to skip. Let's move on to verse 23. They, they go on to explore. Verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eshol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshel because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They'd been out looking around for 40 days. Here's the report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Move on to verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So the spies come back and they basically say we've got good news and we've got bad news. Ten of the spies say we've got bad news. There are giants in this land. The cities are well fortified. We can't take this land. Two of the spies say we can do it. 
we can certainly do it. Now, now why two differing opinions? Let me ask you, if you had been one of those Israelites, if you had witnessed the incredible plagues that God sent on Egypt to humble Pharaoh's heart, if you had witnessed the Red Sea parting and becoming a pedestrian walkway right before your eyes, if you had lay down in a tent at night that glowed because there was this incredible fireball in the sky that God had placed there to lead you, how would you respond? Why two different opinions? Well, it's because they had a difference in perspective. It reminds us that our perspective, our attitude changes everything. Our perspective, our attitude, whether we choose to see through eyes of fear or we choose to see through eyes of faith changes everything. It makes all of the difference. And that's why there were two opinions here. And you may know the rest of the story that we'll look at towards the end here, but the rest of the story is the people of Israel decided to listen to the bad news of the ten spies. They chose to see through eyes of fear. They were afraid to go into the land that God wanted to give them. And so I want to look this morning briefly at some things that fear did to them. And it's also, fear does the same thing to us. Here's the first thing. Fear causes us to underestimate what God can do. Fear causes us to underestimate what God can do. Listen again to verse 28. But the people who live there, they said, they were giving their report. The people who live there are powerful And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Annas there. Do you hear their words? They're focused on the power of the people in that land. It's just a demonstration of how quickly we can let fear control us and cause us to forget what's happened in the past. Do you experience that? How quickly we let Fear causes to forget what's happened in the past. Now realize, these people in Israel, they had been set free from the greatest, most powerful nation of their time. And now, suddenly, just a short while later, they're afraid of a little local tribe of people. How did their perspective get so messed up? It's because suddenly they started underestimating the power of what God can do. Isn't it true that the, often the longer we look at a problem, the bigger the problem seems to grow? It's because we look with the wrong perspective. We look out of eyes of fear instead of eyes of faith that see and remind us what God can do. We underestimate His power. Do you know what we find out later on? They finally, 40 years later, as we'll see in a moment, they get to go in to the promised land, to this very land. And Rahab, one of the inhabitants of that land, will say this to them later in Joshua chapter 2. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. They end up wandering in the desert for 38 years when the reality was back in this very moment in Numbers chapter 13, if they would have chosen to see through eyes of faith and not underestimated what God could do, they could have walked right into the land, taken everything without any problem. It would have been theirs. 
But instead, they underestimated what God could do because they chose to look through eyes of fear. Here's the second principle. Fear exaggerates the obstacles. It does. Listen to verse 33. It says, we saw the the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Do Do you hear what they're saying? They're saying, well, we're just like little insects who are about to be eaten up and destroyed. And those people on the other land, they're like giants. We get the same way sometimes, don't we, when we face an obstacle? Oh, look at me. I can't do that. And the obstacle, well, it's so big. Do you hear? Let's put this in perspective, what they were saying. The average insect is about one inch tall. The average Hebrew man at the time of we're looking at here was about five foot eight inches tall and so according to the perspective of what they're saying here if they were of average height the giants that they were talking about must have been about four thousand feet tall i mean it's ridiculous right but it just goes to show us how when we get blinded by the obstacles we lose vision and we lose a perspective on what really can happen and what the true obstacles might be. heard about a, a little town in Indiana, a small city in Indiana, and suddenly just outside of town there was a large brush fire, forest fire kind of thing that sprung up. And so the fire department goes out and they are battling and battling and battling trying to, to put this fire out. And somebody suggests, you know, we could use some help. What, what about the little rural volunteer fire department? Why don't we call for their help? We're not sure much, how much help they'll really be, but any extra hands would be great. And so they call for them, and they come rushing to the scene on their fire truck. And to everyone's amazement, that truck rolls right down into the middle of the fire. And all the other firemen are just amazed at their method. They jump off that fire truck like crazy, and they are fighting that fire and spraying water everywhere, and they manage to, to break that fire into two small fires, and quickly they're put out. Well, the regular fire department is just amazed and so thankful for their help. They decide, you know what, we're going to, a few days later, we're going to give them a gift. Let's give them $1,000 to help them out with their fire department. So they they give it to the volunteer fire department chief and they say to him, what do you think you're going to do with the money? He says, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get the brakes on that truck fixed. (laughs) Sometimes it's just a matter of perspective, isn't it? Sometimes it's deciding we get mixed up about what the true obstacles are. Here's the next point. I really had to squeeze to get that one in there, you know. Here's the last thing, or next thing. Fear also causes us to overestimate what problems can do. We overestimate what problems can do. What What are the problems you're facing? Regardless of whatever the problem is that you're facing, your problem is not your problem. Your problem is the way that you look at your problem. You see, we often have the wrong perspective. The Bible says this in 1 John 4. The one who is in you, that's God, is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, that's why our problems don't have to defeat us. Because the the one we serve is greater than than the problems we face. Now, that doesn't mean that the problems go away, does it? Problems are a reality of life. Struggles are a part of life. But whether 
we are overwhelmed by the problem, again, comes down to whether we choose to see through eyes of fear or eyes of faith. It's about recognizing and putting my vision on the fact that I serve an all-powerful, all-knowing, awesome God. And He is greater and more powerful than the problems that I may face. You know what? When I read this story, I, I wonder, what if I had been one of those Israelites? What if I was faced with the probability of doing hand-to-hand combat with a, an army of super gladiators. And my life and my family were at stake. What would I have chosen to do? Would I have remembered what God had done in my life in the past and moved forward? Or would I have been paralyzed by fear? You see, we can be guilty of the same thing that the Israelites were. We we can be guilty of celebrating what God has done in the past, but yet be unwilling to walk by faith in the present and the future. The pilgrims, when they came to America, they ventured all the way across the ocean. Incredible courage to go to a place that was so unknown. I've heard some stories about some of those pilgrims. One community of pilgrims, when they got over here, they started off so great. They formed a little community and they elected people to govern them and set up a form of government. And things were going along great until a couple of years later when suddenly the government they had established voted that they were going to extend a road a few miles into a forest. And suddenly everybody was in upheaval. No, 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 we don't want to go explore that forest. Interesting, isn't it? Ironic, maybe you'd say. How could that be that just a few years earlier they were willing to venture across an entire ocean, but suddenly now they are unwilling to venture a few miles into an unknown forest? That's how quickly we can lose vision. And we can choose to see through eyes of fear that paralyze us instead of seeing life through eyes of faith. Somebody asked Helen Keller, she once was asked, Is there anything worse than being blind? She said, oh yes, it's being able to see, but having no vision. Friends, I want to challenge us today. Let's determine that we will be people who choose to see through eyes of faith. That we will be a church that has the kind of vision, a vision that allows us to see beyond ourselves to what God wants to do in the future. It's a choice that we have to make. Now for Joshua and Caleb, they had the ability to see with eyes of faith. The rest of the Israelites chose to see through eyes of fear and they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Until they get to this point, we'll find in Joshua chapter 1, where at least for Joshua and Caleb, they begin to their eyes of faith Open the door to all kinds of new opportunities. Would you look over in Joshua chapter 1? It's a couple books following the book of Numbers. Joshua chapter 1, we get to this point in the story where they've been wandering in the wilderness now for 40 years. Verse 1 says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, Joshua and Caleb's faith resulted in God opening the door for them to all kinds of new opportunities. The rest of the Israelites who had been paralyzed by fear ended up dying before they ever got to set foot in the new, in the new land. They died before they ever got to realize their dream of this land that God had promised them. But Joshua and Caleb, because they chose to have vision and to have faith in the power of what God could do, He opened the door for them to incredible new opportunities. Corey Ten Boom said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to an unknown God. You know, I've said many times, all that we're trying to accomplish through All In and a move to a new campus is far, far beyond our ability. In fact, we, I look at that and think, you know what, there are some giants in the land. And we have to choose whether we're going to see through eyes of fear or we'll see through eyes of faith and we'll trust in the power of what God can do. Some of you are contemplating your own personal sacrifice to all in. And as you're doing that, you may be tempted to think, I don't know how I can participate. Because you look and think that there are giants in the land and the cities are well guarded. I'm not sure how I could possibly participate. Someone has said, faith is going to the edge of all the light you have and then taking one more step. All in is our chance to take one more step. All in is our chance to decide that we are going to trust through faith in the power of God. But we have to choose. We have to choose whether we're going to see through eyes of fear, we're going to see a land that is full of giants and well-guarded cities, and we're going to be paralyzed by that. Or we're going to choose to see through eyes of faith that open the door to incredible new opportunities. A new campus where there are hundreds, if not thousands of people coming there regularly, finding a place where they are loved and cared for. A place where hundreds of people are discovering the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus as they make Him their Savior. A place where hundreds of children and teenagers are discovering, maybe even to their surprise, that they actually matter to the God of the universe. Friends, it's time to choose. It's time to say no to fear and yes to faith. Because God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected. Greeting God with a childlike, What is next, Papa? God, what do you have in store? What opportunities do you want to open the door if we'll just trust you in faith. God, would you fill us 
today with faith. God, would You strip our lives this morning of eyes of fear, eyes that cause us to look and underestimate what You can do and to far exaggerate the obstacles in our problems. God, as we think about these next couple of weeks that are so pivotal from the life of our church, I'm praying, God, that You would sweep over us with an, an infusion of faith that causes us to trust in You. God, take us to that place where we stand at the edge of all of the light we have and then give us the courage to take one more step trusting You. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray.